What's going on, guys? We are back with another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Show, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We promise it. It is an all-Premier League episode. But with me, as always, a man who, to me, is like Spurs at some point slipping up in the Premier League. It's Billy. Is that a polite way of calling me a bottle job? Yeah, it is, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> But like Lewis said, we have a host of Premier League topics for you. And we'll start with Chelsea finally starting to click under Mauricio Pochettino. A win against Spurs and a very good performance against Manchester City. We'll then take a deeper look at Tottenham and how much their injuries are going to cost them this season after such a fantastic start for Ange Postacoglu. And of course, we couldn't have a Premier League episode now without talking about Everton's 10-point deduction for their financial fair play breaches given to them by the Premier League. But it's not all it cracks up to be. And there'll be a couple teams that should be looking over their shoulders now that the Premier League have gotten serious about a points deduction. But all that and more right after this. So we did say... Chelsea are finally starting to click under Pochettino. But, it's a big but. You could almost say it was with the help of some idiotic Spurs players, no? Yes, yeah, a, a big a big asterisk on that, on that win against Spurs because they were helped massively by Christian Romero and Destiny Adugi. Adugi, still not 100% sure on, uh, on his name. Destiny, let's call him that. But both sent off in that game when arguably both should have been sent off earlier on in that fixture. So, you know, Kumin Son had already put them up 1-0 uh, before a horrible two-footed, off, you know, off-the-ground tackle by a doogie. Only a yellow card. Deemed only a yellow card, which I think is staggering. And then Christian Romero... Good defender, but petulant little brat that he is, lashes out at Levi Colwell and kicks him whilst he's on the ground. Nothing given for that one, which I thought was absolutely crazy. A couple of goals then disallowed, including one for Moises Caicedo, but then VAR takes it back and there's a horrible follow-through by Romero on Enzo Fernandez and everyone's going, Oh yeah, we got the ball. We got the ball. It doesn't matter when the, studs, the guy. <laughs> when the studs of your football boot go into the guy's shin, because that was done with intent. He's an idiot. He's a petulant chi- child. I actively dislike Christian Romero. Don't you have him in your fantasy team though? Uh, no, I had destiny a doozy. So it, it made no difference to me. That's which a, one I, got sent off? So uh, I had I had Romero in my fantasy team, so it's all good. <laughs> so they had the chance to equalise from the penalty spot. Cole Palmer, at the time, three from three. And then the game plan from Ange Postacoglu, I don't know, at the time, was praised by people for the persistence to stick to his game plan and, and play the high line with nine men. But I would argue to you, it's naive as fuck. And he shouldn't be praised for sticking with a high line at nine men. And he said in his afterwards, like, oh, you know, man, if, if we had five men, we'd have stuck to our game plan. 
that is naive as anything. This isn't Celtic against Hearts. You can't beat them with nine men. Do you know what I mean? And Chelsea could have scored about 12 in that game. Got caught offside at stupid times where they didn't need to. I think two of Nicholas Jackson's goals came when the ball was played into Raheem Sterling inside his own half. You know, so it's naive of him to stick with it and and not try to play at a low block and hit on the counter. Because if Mourinho had done that when he was at Spurs, if Conte had done that when he was at Spurs, they'd have been absolutely crucified. I mean, funny you say that because I remember you also getting so annoyed at the fact that Bielsa was praised for getting uh, or for playing Cavalier football. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if you score is four. Same, is it the same thing? Is it? It's exactly the same thing. It doesn't matter if you score four, if your opposition score five. It makes no difference. You've still lost that game. It's not Cavalier football. It's naive. It's... Uh, I thought I was done with it when Bielsa got the sack, but apparently not. Can we can we appreciate the fact that Leeds and Spurs now are in the same bracket, more or less? Because they both had managers that are, you know, so unknown at this point that they're getting praised for going up on a high line. Because like you said, Conte, Mourinho, as experienced top class managers they would have been vilified for being that naive and i'm 100 percent in agreement with you you can't think you know oh i'm just going to stick to the game plan that's what makes a good manager is realizing that you have to adapt to situations that prevent that present themselves in in a match sometimes the 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 midfield is too crowded and then you basically you you switch from a um you switch from a four two three one uh, to a four-three-three or what have you? I don't know. Just it's it's being able to adapt to in-game situations that present themselves that make a good manager. And if if Ange Ball is basically down to the fact that I am keeping or I'm towing the line no matter what the hell happens in the game, then yeah, that's way too naive, and you need to learn from that. I think we need to start giving some credit to Mauricio Pochettino because. He's still a fantastic manager, despite the PSG, we'll call it incident, because anyone could manage that club and look like a failure when they can't get 11 individuals to play together. Yeah. But it wasn't just the the win against Spurs. They had a four-all draw with Manchester City, arguably two of the most entertaining games of this season, both involving Chelsea. They were a little bit unlucky to not win that game against Man City. Yes and no, because, you know, they needed the penalty given. Obviously, it was a stone-cold penalty on Armando Broja, but they needed the penalty to kind of get that drawback. I'd argue that, you know, if you look at the game, you know, drawing a line under everything that happened, I think a draw goes in order. It's... It was definitely a crazy game for all, says it all, really. You know, Cole Palmer making it four from four from the penalty spot uh, to equalize against his former club. It is football heritage, almost. Um, One thing I would still criticize, and I'm going back to the Spurs game, is some Chelsea fans going and calling 
for the fact that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium should be renamed Nicholas Jackson Stadium. And I'd argue the only reason that Nicholas Jackson got a hat trick is because he was presented with about 15,000 opportunities to do so, missed 14,997 of them, and then made three. Two of which, by the way, tap-ins. Yeah, you as a striker, you have to be there, you have to score those. But I'm sorry, to start calling for the fact that they you know, should rename the stadium because he owns that stadium. He was playing against two men less. I know that Chelsea are finally getting the results that they probably should be getting with, you know, a billion in transfer spending over the last one and a half years. But Chelsea fans, calm the fuck down, honestly. Like, I'm I'm happy that you guys aren't, you know, looking at the at the result every weekend and you know asking yourselves why do you even bother but let's not get ahead of ourselves here it was nine man spurs with a naive manager who decided to play a high line and you missed about five thousand opportunities nicholas jackson does not own that stadium he was lucky to score the hat trick that he did well on the subjects of chelsea fans kicking off about certain things. Maybe that one's not so warranted, but the fact that Raheem Sterling was left out of the latest England squad, I think is a bit of a disrespect from Gareth Southgate, considering he's continuing to pick Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, and uh, and Jack Grealish, who, let's be, this, let's be honest, this season hasn't really been it. Oh, 100%. I think that... Biggest, biggest disrespect. This is where I will say, Chelsea fans, you're 100% right. The you fact know, that just... Sterling is not in that squad, that Jack Grealish, of all players, is getting picked above him when, you know, as you said, he really hasn't been on it. Jordan Henderson, why he's still getting picked for England? Beyond me. He ended his career by going to the Middle East. I'm sorry. He plays in front of less fans than Borm would do. He should... He's playing at a level that... Let's face it, a lot more players in England have played at. He's definitely ended his career with that move. The fact that he's getting picked, Calvin Phillips has more of a right to be in that England squad because he's still training at a high level than Jordan Henderson. But still, Calvin Phillips also, when was the last time he featured in a game for Manchester City? When was the last time he started a game? Has he even started a game since he moved there? I can't remember. But, you know, the fact that those two players are getting in and Raheem Sterling, who has been doing bits, even when Chelsea have been playing really badly, Sterling has still been doing bits. Sterling should be in that England squad without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. Yeah, he should. Because you think back to that Euros, he was absolutely fantastic. Exactly. for England. But let's leave Chelsea and Pochettino and let's look at Poch's old side who made the a whirlwind fantastic start to the Premier League but then injury strikes to Mickey van der Ven and James Madison, two of the more important players for Tottenham both out until at least January but they've also got the likes of Ivan Perisic, Manos Solomon, Ryan Sessegnon, Ben Davies, Richarlison. They're all out as well. 
And this is where it calls into question the fact that, yeah, okay, Tottenham starting 11 now is very, very good. But look at the subs bench and it's woeful. So just just an idea, you know, the the bench against the wall against Wolves at Molyneux when they lost. That fantastic volley from Pablo Sarabia and then a goal from Mario Lamina. But the subs bench was Alfie Dorrington, Jamie Donnelly, Oliver Skip, Fraser Forster, Alejo Valise, Ashley Phillips, Brian Hill, Giovanni Lacelso, and Rodrigo Bentancur. Now, Brian Hill, okay, fine. He's had some first-team experience out on loan. Not really done much in a Tottenham shirt. Giovanni Lo Celso as well, not really done much in a Spurs shirt since joining from PSG after being on loan at Real Betis. Uh, Rodrigo Bentancur will be a starter in that midfield, I think probably over Papasar. But that is a pretty bleak bench with very little in terms of game changers. You know, if... If it's not happening for Hyung Min Son, who you know who can you bring on? You know Brennan Johnson scored the goal, but other than that, they offered very little against Wolves. And I'll be honest, if that game had ended one all, and it had just been Pablo Sarabia's goal, I think Wolves probably could have been justified with feeling a little bit disappointed with that. Yeah, definitely. Looking at the injuries, though. 196 injuries in the Premier League so far this season. Is this just Tottenham being made an example of in terms of the fact that the playing calendar is just completely overloaded? Is this just finally the chickens coming home to roost and a blatant example for UEFA, for FIFA, that the calendar is just too full? I think it's definitely a case of that. But you look at uh, you look at the amount of injuries that other teams have had. You know the the most uh, injuries in uh, in the Premier League. I think Manchester United have had fourteen injuries at some point this season, and you know it's shown the performances haven't been great, the results haven't been fantastic. But they went into that international break as the informed team winning four of the last five. You know, players are slowly starting to come back, but to have it disrupted so close or so early into a new season is going to have an effect on anyone. Look at Chelsea, you know, Reese James getting injured. We've still not seen Christopher and Kunku play for Chelsea. You know, this marquee signing that was supposed to be this huge attacking influence for Chelsea, we've still not seen him. So it's it's always going to happen. You know, we've had this last international break. West Ham, Mikel Antonio, a needless injury on duty for Jamaica. Jared Bowen is pulled out of the England squad. Thomas Socek. And you look at what happened to Gavi yesterday. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, Gavi is still a kid. He's growing still. His body is still growing. And he's been played into the ground and he's ruptured his ACL in a game that Spain didn't need to win because they'd already qualified in a nothing game, you know? So well, now his Euros are done. He's, he's he's going to miss the rest of the season. He's going to miss the Euros. He'll be lucky if he's back 
for the start of next season. So the fact that there's been a 15% increase compared to the last four seasons in injuries, yeah. In injuries is isn't a surprise when you think of how many games they played. Rafael Varane called it out at the start of the season. You know, there's too many games. We're playing too many games. He called time on his France career to prolong his his club playing career. And next season, with the rechange of the Champions League format, they're getting even more games out of them. So all these young, exciting players that are coming through, we're going to get probably a decade out of them max. Players won't play till they're in 39, 40 years old, like Thiago Silva and, you know, Thiago Silva scored against Man City. He was the second oldest player to ever score in the Premier League behind Teddy Sheringham. There you go. And we'll be lucky now if we see a player go beyond the age of 34, 35. I think I'd argue we still are lucky to see a player going beyond that age, but I'd argue it goes even earlier. If we see a player go beyond the age of like 32, 33 and still do bits and not, you know, end up playing for a side that's, you know, close to relegation or even in the championship or second Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the 15% increase. It's the fact that stats are now, you know, quite clearly showing that, you know, as I've said, the chickens have come home to roost and FIFA and UEFA aren't doing a single thing about it. And I think unless players really go on strike and do something drastic, it won't change. Exactly. That's what's going to have to happen. There's going to have to be a mass. Well, this is going to have to be played. They're going to have to say, no, I'm not doing it. We're not doing it because. I, for one, would happily forego the two international breaks at the start of each season. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, what six? Not even six weeks between the two. Exactly. By all means, have the week off. But there's no need for the England players to have to be having to fly out to Skopje in North Macedonia to play a game they've already qualified for. You yeah, know, it's, it's. I get the idea around qualification, but. You know, let's be honest, it's the same teams most of the time anyway. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's absolutely pointless. Norway, not in it again this year because the rest of their team isn't good enough. Wales, their team just isn't good enough. Scotland, let's be honest, because of Scott McTominay. But <laughs> you know, it's not the point. The point the point is there's too many games, there's too many pointless, needless games. You know, most of the teams that will go far in the Champions League, like Bayern Munich, are already qualified for the round of 16. Exactly. The last thing those clubs or those players need or want is two extra matches that they don't need. You know, because say next season Bayern are, I don't know, third in that massive table that they're that they're introducing. Already yeah. guaranteed a last 16 place but they've got to play those two extra games. And in the second of those two extra games, Harry Kane, I don't know, buckles his knee. That's your star striker out for six months. That's your hopes of winning the Champions League gone. Exactly. I mean, you, if, if you look at the NFL, for instance, there was a, there was a rule uh, in, uh, instated when Tom Brady, um, I think, I forget which season exactly it was, but he was hit below the knee um, and that, you know, did his whole season. And there was a rule instated in the NFL that, you know, hits on the quarterback below the knee 
are illegal because usually if a starting quarterback is injured, then that's that team's season hopes gone, more or less. Um, I'm Obviously, it's not the same thing as, you know, having rules in game for injuries to, you know, to curb those injuries. But it is a similar aspect in the sense that injuries do still affect the team's hopes of winning titles. And, you know, like you just said, if your star striker is done, that's your, you know, hopes for any titles done usually. Um, when FIFA and UEFA are actually finally going to have a look at the fact that you na- the UEFA Nations League is just such a pointless tournament and just only there to make more money. Um, I don't know. I think there would have to be a mass walkout and players literally just say, we're not turning up for international duty. Um, we're not going to do it. Uh, the clubs will have to get involved. I mean, it's already happened before that some clubs have literally just said, no, we're not letting our players go. And they even take the fine off. But I think we've uh, gone into the injuries debate for long enough. But I think we will be staying with attacking governing bodies on ineffectiveness and also just plain illogical fines and whatnot. And we'll be having a look at the FFP breaches that have now handed Everton a 10-point deduction. Now, there was one breach recorded for Everton, and they've been docked at 10 points by the Premier League. In your eyes, is it too harsh to be making an example of Everton and not one of the bigger clubs? Yes. Now, like the, the Prem rules are a max amount of loss over three years is £105 million. Everton went 19.5 over that to £124.5 million. But there are factors involved that probably put that a little bit out of their control. Having to cut ties with UCS, losing, I think it was about 20 partnerships because of the war in Ukraine. And it's it's making an example of a club that, yeah, okay, it's a Premier League mainstay, but it's not one of the big boys brand-wise. Yeah, definitely. You know, if they were to do it to a Man City, if they were to do it to a Chelsea, you know, the fact that Manchester City have 115 charges brought against them and they still haven't been charged for a single one of them is absolutely obscene. To give Everton a 10-point deduction when six clubs tried to leave the Premier League to join the European Super League, I'm talking Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, and Manchester United. The fact that none of those clubs received any form of punishment at all for trying to leave a league is obscene. It's a double standard. It's a double standard because Everton aren't a marketing sweetheart for the Premier League. You know, yeah, okay, they're a big club in terms of people abroad will watch Everton, but not to the level that they will watch a United, a City. Uh, an Arsenal or a, a, a Liverpool, for example. I think, obviously, they're appealing it because they feel it's unfair. Definitely. Is. Whilst that appeal process is going on, I think it's a bit bizarre to have already applied that deduction. Yeah, it's incredibly unfair to you know enforce a ten point ban. It's not like they've committed you know like a heinous crime or they're accused of murder or something, and they've and, you know you should be held until 
uh, if you're already convicted and you're appealing it, you should be held while the conviction still stands. It's a 10-point ban. Like, enforce that after, you know, the league is over or whatever. Um, or the season is over, I'm sorry. And also, you know, coming back, you know, that one breach of FFP for, for Everton is... Oh, it, it's one breach for Everton. One breach. City have or accused of 115. If City got the same punishment as Everton, City would be ducted over 1,300 points and would have exactly 89 points left in their whole Premier League history, which equates to about 5.5 points a season. City just aren't being treated the same as Everton. Chelsea, for that fact, also, or for that matter, are also not being treated the same as Everton. And it's down to the fact, like you said, they're not a big six club. They're not a marketing sweetheart, which is just complete BS. The Premier League are just too chicken shit to go after a big club because they're scared of losing a big name in the in the league. And if, you know, either you don't go after Everton for the financial fair play breach, which, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we've already said it, it's an unlucky lost because they didn't take into account the the partnerships they lost as a result of the Ukraine war. Um, it was 19.5 million. It's not like Chelsea who are, you know, I don't know how much they're in the red, but it has to be in the hundreds of millions. City as well. And Everton are getting busted for 19.5 million. I mean, that that is just a pure double standard by the Premier League. As the Premier League, you either go after everyone for the same amount of stuff, and then you have to just accept the fact that City and Chelsea are going to be deducted insane amounts of points and probably get relegated, or you don't go after anyone. Simple as. But the Premier well, League is literally just hurting its own credibility at this point. Well, exactly. Uh, it's like that bit in the Simpsons movie with Tom Hanks. The US government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. <laughs> it's i also love the ones where where basically it has the that thing from family guy with like the the shades uh, uh yes 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 okay not okay <laughs> exactly yeah. and it's just like everton badge not okay city and chelsea okay well they put out a statement everton uh and i won't read the whole thing i just want to read the second to last paragraph of this statement put out by everton the club will also monitor with great interest the decisions made in any other cases concerning the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules, i.e. Manchester City and Chelsea. Just to give another idea of how batshit 10 points is to be deducted, the penalty for going into administration is nine. Incidentally, there is also a case... Uh, that Burnley, Leeds, and Leicester—they have—they uh, are well. They are allegedly preparing to sue Everton for a combined three hundred million Great British pounds, which would put them into administration and then increase that points deduction to an, to nineteen with that extra nine. Whereas I'd argue that Burnley, Leeds, to a lesser extent, Leicester would dog shit if that goes to court. And they they take that to court to sue because, oh, we should have stayed up that year that Everton overspent. Uh, I hope the judge looks at them and goes, lads, uh, you were shit. Brings the gavel down and walks out. Because there's no way they should be getting any compensation at all for the sake no, of £19 million. When you think about the, the money that Leeds 
pissed away on players. I mean, also, if you think about the money, that they should be suing the... Uh, sorry. If you think about the money spent by the big six, then they should be suing them more or less because they're the reason that, you know, Leeds, Burnley, uh, and Leicester were getting dicked over, uh, what, 6-0 every time they went up against one of the big six. And that was also going to hurt them in terms of goal difference. So that would probably hurt them more. It's only down to the fact that Everton were more or less a direct rival in terms of relegation battle. And that's the only reason they're doing it. They're just, you know, as you've said, butthurt because they themselves were too shit to stay up. Look, it's, it's a horrible thing to have to happen to a club like Everton, who flirted with relegation the last two seasons. Yeah. Uh, but a credit to Everton fans who have already raised over £30,000 to help the club in any way. You know, it's it's a yeah. beating heart of that part of the community. It's a, I know there's a bit of rivalry with Liverpool, but you take one of those clubs out of the Premier League, it wouldn't be the same. Okay, yeah, oh, there'd, be the, there'd be a few people that would celebrate the downfall of Everton. But I think the people that know the city and the people connected with the heart of Liverpool would probably be a bit sad about it. Oh, 100%. And, you know, it just goes to show that, again, like just like with FIFA and the, and the UEFA and the over-packed schedule that, that players are dealing with, you have to also have appeals going in to the Premier League from all clubs that are basically saying, you know, this is ridiculous. You can't you can't go after a small fish and basically beat it to death and leave the big fish that has way, way more infractions, at least accused of way more infractions, and leave them swimming around. That that can't be the policy of the Premier League. And people have to call the Premier League out on it. Otherwise it won't change. Well, obviously, it's a developing thing, so we'll uh, we'll keep you guys updated on anything that happens when it does go to appeal. But I think that's probably the best place to leave it. And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to 50 Plus One Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the 50 Plus One Football Show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, do remember we have released a Bundesliga episode giving you the rundown of the last two weeks. Uh, so make sure to check that out if you haven't already. And of course, thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.